heard some of the explanations around this. Um, our, our history is that we, so we've been a part of the Assemblies of God denomination from the very beginning. <clears throat> uh, a church was started here in Milneton in the 70s. In fact, at one stage, it was actually running from a part of this building. And then the only land that could be found even back then was in Tableview. So we moved to Tableview, not we, like I wasn't there in the 70s, but, 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 but the church moved to Tableview and became the Tableview Assemblies of God Church. It was, it was this little building on a large piece of land, and over time, we were able to grow and extend. I started attending there in 1995 and started working there in 1997. Um, and, and over the years, we, uh, we have planted churches in Maltbos, helped build a church in Joslova, here in Milnerton, Sunningdale, Tiger, uh, Tigerberg, etc. Um, but, but part of our intention, part of our strategy was, was actually planting churches, was actually raising up leaders and, and local uh, churches that could serve their particular communities and where we weren't limited to one particular personality or one particular style. And so over the years, we've given autonomy and freedom to the various churches to to run with the vision that they feel that God's given them in those local communities. And so what we've been doing over the last three months is we've been on a process of formalizing how we function. Just so you know, out of interest, now this could be a coincidence, but the moment we went all in with local churches, local leaders, um, stopping drawing from a common pool in terms of volunteers, finances, etc., the church doubled, I think it was in about a year, the income doubled in about a year or two, and we've seen increased ownership. I know this is going back a few years ago, but we've seen incredible ownership of, of different teams, different areas, as well as just, just the actual vision and the burden for uh, the local community. I'll give you an example. We, we've, I've wanted to be very careful over the years that we don't live vicariously through what is taking place somewhere else. So for example, so, so I, I was the chairman of SALT for about 20 years, give or take. That was our social justice um, uh, project which is now uh, going wholesale over to our Sunningdale congregation, which is being relaunched as Revive Church. I think that's next Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Or was it today? Next Sunday. So, so, they, so, they are being, so they are relaunching as Revive Church. So, so, so SALT as a whole entity is going over there and is continuing that work. But, but what, what we wanted to be careful of is that we didn't think, well, hey, we're doing a whole bunch of stuff in the community when actually we think about it, are we doing that much? in our community, or are we just living vicariously through, through what's taking place somewhere else? And so these are some of the questions that we've had to wrestle over the years. We haven't wanted to be happy that we're serving in, in other schools and not in our schools and in the, the community that God's called us to be planted in. And so these are some of the things that we have been wrestling over and working through, besides the fact that Graham, by the way, is turning 70 in September. I know you'd never think so, right? He looks exactly the same as he did 20 years ago. Um, he, he, he is evergreen, excepting... Side note, funny story. We used, to, we used to actually have a ministry to seniors at Tableview um, many years ago called the Evergreens. They might, I don't know, we might, they might still have it called Evergreens. Um, and when Graham was still young, the, 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 the kind of cap where you would start out was the age of 55. The moment Graham neared 55, that age went to like 60. And then the moment he neared 60, it was like 65. And right now I'm guessing it's 80. You have to be like 80 and over to, be, to, be, you know, to qualify to go into... Anyway, um, and that speaks a lot to Graham and his, and his character and his personality. Graham, Graham has still got loads of energy, loads of vigor. Um, he is helping oversee a church in Peter Marisburg where, where one of our young guys from um, Tableview is being ordained as a pastor in a few weeks' time. 
Um, he's been helping uh, Andre and Leanne with the Melkbos congregation that has come in under View Church Tableview. Um, possibly going to be investing a bit of time into the Camps Bay campus that they that they planted as well. So there's still lots happening, um, but there's also lots of vision in each of those congregations. And honestly, we we are excited. We are at peace, and so and so that is why we are quite literally relaunching and setting up everything as a brand new entity. And it has given us the opportunity not to change vision or to change values, but to clarify vision and to clarify values. And because over the years, we, we, we've also learned to internalize certain language and certain things that we feel God had, because I think God does use the personalities in local churches to actually personalize the stuff that he is wanting to take place. And so that's also why we are doing a series at the moment on values, because I am convinced that values lead to culture, and culture is ultimately what actually builds vision. Too often we think it's the other way around. Well, if you have enough vision, well, then we'll all kind of just, just move in that direction. But it's act, culture eats vision for breakfast. And so we, don't, we also don't want to just have a really strong uh, personality-driven culture. We want this to be biblical, godly, kingdom values. And so the, the values that we're looking at over the next few weeks and over the previous two Sundays are, are not unique to us. In fact, if these are not present in any other church, I would be really concerned. I, I say that very honestly. I think that these should be present in any church. But you would have churches that might have certain um, uniquenesses or, or certain, certain particular applications of something that are um, that they really highlight. So for example, in our church, something like fighting against false peace on, on, on a high level, that should be true of, of any church where you want unity, but, but we have a particular burden to make sure that we work through conflict well and that we have tough conversations and that we embrace um, and, and deal with honesty so that we can actually grow together and not just appear to be fake and, and false. Um, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. So, so that, that, might be a particular, that might be a particular language and a particular emphasis that, that, that we would implement, but the, the biblical value is unity. We want to be united. And, and the big point we mentioned two weeks ago is that unity is not only the absence of division, in inverted commas, it's actually the presence of maturity. And it's only, it's, it's only when we are all maturing together. All of this was based on Ephesians chapter four. It's when we are maturing together, helping one another grow, not just tolerating one another, like with a little bit of vomit in your mouth. No, no, like actually, actually valuing one another and, and bringing our gifts, bringing our, our experiences, bringing our pains, bringing the, st- the, come on, some of you have learned such hard lessons in life. Why would you wanna let it end with you? Like you've already paid heavy school fees. You don't want someone else to have to pay that again. Like, like we, can, we can help one another. So, so unity is so much more than just a lack of division. It is about us growing together, helping one another develop. Last week we spoke about generosity. And again, how generosity is about so much more than just money. Now make no mistake, money is often a question for most of us because money affects pretty much everything we do. But generosity is about a generosity of spirit. It's, it's, about, it's about being generous with our time, generous with our gifts, generous with our energy. Again, I, I, I know over the years how often Graham has expressed frustration over leaders that are generous with their finances, but they're not generous with leadership. Like they won't give leadership away. And I'm like, Graham, you're absolutely right. So there's a lot of wisdom there in, in a heart of empowering and, and wanting, again, to help and serve others. And so as a church, we absolutely wanna be generous because that is who God is. God is a generous God. It's been said that you're never more like God than when you give. 
And I honestly do believe that the only appropriate response to grace, if we realize how much grace we have received, the only appropriate response is gratitude. And I think we can't help it. When we are grateful, you just tend to want, that just tends to leak out in helping others, serving others, giving to others. Does that make sense? This will make a little bit more sense to you when we mention the name of our church in a few weeks' time. But, but, but part of it as well is because we have, re- guys, there isn't a single one of us sitting here today or watching online that has not benefited from the generosity of others. None of it. We, we have all benefited from the generosity of others. Someone, and, and in some cases, literally people's blood. Literally people have laid their lives out. We, we, we didn't just rock up one day and, and, and we were invited into a relationship with God without that having, without, without a, a road, a path having been laid for millennia. And so we don't ever want to be arrogant. We'll, humility will be one of the values as well. We want to be humble. We want to, we want to recognize that we have freely received and so we want to freely give. And today I want to just talk very briefly on, on what is probably an assumed value, and that's sometimes the danger because familiarity breeds contempt, but the, but the value of devotion. Devotion. Devoted to God, and I'll show you why in a moment, devoted to people. But holistically, I'm thinking especially about being devoted to God. One of the main reasons I say that is because in a church, in any time, any time you're trying to get stuff done and trying to make progress and trying to help people, and maybe you're, you're getting involved in a program here or, or a project there or whatever the case is, it is so tempting, it's so subtle for us to, to get the order wrong, where, where, where subtly, slowly but surely, but subtly, we, we are prioritizing the program, not God. Or, or to put it another way, we put our responsibility before our relationship. Now I'm just telling you, I've been, I've been doing this full time for 25 years, and I don't look a day over 35. I wasn't 10. That's a good man, thank you. Um, we don't take false peace, but we'll take lies. We'll take deception in the church. Um, I... Th- I for, for pastors, ministry can be one of the greatest obstacles to their relationship with God. And for people that are serving in church, if we're not careful, sometimes serving, especially those of us that carry a lot of responsibility. When you, when you, I mean, hey, those of you that lead life groups or you're involved every Sunday, have you noticed that seven days rolls around really quickly? It's like flipping, heck, how we, like, I've got to give out again. It's like you've just given birth, now you've got to fall pregnant again and, and give us something again the next week. And so, and so before you know it, you can just get onto this, onto this roster. But guys, it has to be relationship before responsibility. Or to put it a different way, Peter Cazera says it like this, our, our being with Jesus must be able to sustain our doing for Jesus. I met with um, all, all of our AOG pastors in the Eastern Cape earlier this year. By the way, just so you know, we are still staying AOG. So we're not leaving the denomination. We've just, we've just released our churches within the, the denomination. Um, and, and the bulk of the training that I was doing with them is on stuff that relates to our personal relationship with God. You'd think that's weird. I'm just telling you, my biggest concern for pastors is whether or not we're living in the light, whether or not we're living in open, vulnerable relationships. If there's someone that we can share anything with that we need to. And if we are if we're ordering our lives around being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus and doing what Jesus would do. Because again, it is so easy to do the right thing. 
well, I mean, it's not easy, but it can become easy when you know how, how to do that. And so we have to be concerned. We have to be reminded. Like, like in fact, we'll, we'll, we'll express to our, to our dream team, to our volunteers, we don't want what you can give us and not care about your soul. That's using someone like a prostitute, frankly. And just so you know, God doesn't use you like a prostitute. We don't want to use you like a prostitute. We don't want to just get something out of you and not care about you and whether or not you're growing and whether or not you're healthy. And it shouldn't have to be either or, by the way. I think that there's a way to do life that leads to life. There's a way to do ministry that leads to life. There's a way to serve God's purposes that doesn't kill our souls, that actually refreshes us and is sustainable. But, it, but, it, but only if we are connecting in our relationship with God and actually, and actually being sustained. Okay, let's put it this way. It's not about knowledge for many of us. Some of us know more than enough to last us five lifetimes. It's not about knowledge. It's about our experiencing a relationship with God. It's about us slowing down, spending some slowed down, doesn't have to be long time, but slowed down time with God where we can actually experience His love, experience His presence. It's not that we have to convince God to be with us. God's available. It's that we have to get ourselves into a place where we can be present with Him. Guys, why would we care about any other values if we don't care about devotion, first and foremost? Because surely, surely every other value uh, flows out of our devotion to God. That's why you'll often hear us say, in terms of be, become, do, that the order matters. Our being with Jesus has to be first in order to become like Jesus, in order to do what Jesus would do. Devotion involves an object and an attitude. And by the way, we all have various devotions. Sport might be a devotion. That's the object, and nothing wrong with it. Just, just disclaim it. Your family could be your devotion. Your, your career could be your devotion. It's, there, there's an object of our attention, our affection, and then also our, our energy and our priorities. So the attitude that we have towards this object will, will give us a pretty good idea of whether or not we are devoted to it. So there's a level of grit, perseverance, determination. We're willing to prioritize it over something else. All of these are signs of devotion. And I honestly do believe that in the kingdom of God, and you can see it up on the scripture, on the wall there, we'll look at it again in detail in a moment, but it is about being, in the kingdom of God, it is devotion to God and it is devotion to people. Devotion to God and devotion to people. Some of you might be aware of the fact that the 10 commandments are broken up into the first four being all about loving God and the next six being all about loving people. That's why when Jesus was asked how to summarize everything that mattered most, to summarize the law, to summarize what's the most important commandment, he's like, love God, love people. That is the devotion. It is so much more than intention. Can I say that again? Devotion is a lot more than intention. I would be so amazing if my intentions were enough. No, no, devotion is how I, is, uh, that's about the steps that I actually take. So here's where I, I wanna put it. We position ourselves for devotion through priorities, practices, and places. We position ourselves for devotion. So it's not about an intention, it's about a positioning. Through priorities, practices, and places. Now, I cannot emphasize this word position enough. 
whether or not, in fact, I'm pretty sure that this wasn't intentional. Maybe, maybe this was even just the way that I perceived it, but, 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 but so much of my Christian journey, if I'm honest with you, was about, was about knowledge. It was about learning more. It was about understanding more. And there's a place for that. There is a place for understanding, okay? It's like an airplane has two wings. You don't, you don't have a preference as to whether or not you want the, one, you know, the left wing or the right wing if you're up in the air. Like, you want both. So, so there's a role, there, there is value in proper understanding and knowledge. But, but then there is a part of our relationship with God that actually, and this might be new to some of us, we can't control. If you think about that carefully, some of you would disagree, and I'd understand why. So I'll let, you, I'll let that sink in a bit. There are parts of our relationship with God that we cannot actually control. What we can control is positioning ourselves. What we can't control is how God forms us in response over time. And just that single idea alone can change your life. It'll take off some of the pressure. It'll take off some of the striving. Because, because think about it, in every other part of our lives, like you go through grade one, to get to grade two, to get to grade three, to get to grade four, to get to grade 12, to realize you don't know anything, then you're gonna do something else, and you go through that you know, process, or you go learn something. And, and so it's, it's always systematic, and if I do this, then I get that, I do this, I get that, I do this, I get that. But, but with God, all we can do is position ourselves through priority, practices, places, in, in, order, to, in order to let him speak, reveal, challenge, invite. So, First, priority. Don't worry, I'm gonna run through this stuff. Priority is, guys, it's obvious. It's where, it's, whatever we are prioritizing trumps everything else. So when we, when we speak of priority in devotion, that is, okay, does God actually trump everything else? Does his will, does his opinion, does his way? Now, now here's, again, I think quite a startling thought for a lot of people, but it's okay for you to be honest with God and say, you know what, you're not the priority. Or when I say okay, I mean, like I think God appreciates the honesty because again, it's not like he doesn't know that. When we're honest, we're the only ones that are surprised, right? So we can't, we can't fake it with God. So, so let's at least, guys, there have been times in my life where I'm like, God, I know I should, but I don't really want to. So will you help me one to one to? I mean, I think that's an honest prayer. God, would you, would you give me the desire? Would you help me want to want to do what's right? Because right now, I don't want to. I actually just don't care. I'm so tired. I'm so lum. I'm so much. I, I just don't care. I, guys, honesty builds a bridge. But let's not fool ourselves because we're not fooling God. And it doesn't matter whether, whether or not we're fooling others because that don't count, frankly. We don't want to fool ourselves. Let's at least be honest as to whether or not he is our priority. Mark 12, 30, verse 30 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. First of all, the word all should stand out to us. But secondly, that it's not just a one-dimensional thing. So it's not just an emotion. That it's also with my strength. I love God with my body, with my energy. That's why work is worship. That's why God can and should be a priority at work. Not that you're preaching at people or Bible punching people or being weird about it or sending you know, little scripture promises to people that don't want them. No, no, just that you, that you are actually being excellent, present, creative, bringing your best energy. You're reliable, you're faithful. That's all our strength, all our mind. Guys, the battle is won and lost in our minds. 
So what we feed our minds, what we meditate on, all of these things are, that, that's why, again, no shame, let's just not lie to ourselves. Let's not be surprised when at the end of a month, we've spent, I don't know, 78 hours on all kinds of garbage media, and we've maybe spent three hours meditating on something life-giving. Let's not be surprised that we're struggling in our thought life. Again, no shame. I'm just saying these are things for us to, to be aware of. And that's why, by the way, we, we are urging you, and we don't often do that, but I'm urging you to go all in with five days of focus. Because what we're doing is we're actually, for, for a few days, I mean, really, it's tonight and it's four days, okay? What we're saying is, God, we're gonna, we're gonna try and prioritize time for you. This is if you can. We're gonna give an hour each night to just focus on you, to, to turn down the, the violence of the world in order to tune into the voice of God. And that's why we also encourage people to fast. Physically, to, to abstain from something that, that kind of, there's something special that takes place when, when we control our, our human appetites, our fleshly appetites, but also we're living in an age, guys, where, where we need a soul fast, so where we remove apps and stuff for five days, that's just, that we just know. Uh, they don't have to be bad, destructive, simple. They just, it's just noise. Um, and it, man, it's helpful when, if we can just turn down the noise. I think one of the enemy's greatest tactics is noise. Because he knows if you can get silent, you have a far better chance of becoming aware of God's presence. So he just wants noise. He wants, he wants to distract our attention. That's why Corrie Ten Boom said, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Because it has this exact same effect, draws you away from God. Secondly is practices. So we position ourselves for devotion through priority and through practices. And again, if you stick around with us for a while, hopefully you won't become numb to this, but you will be reminded regularly. Because again, that's the problem, right? Like we all like agree, yeah, yeah, Jason, great, high five, and we do nothing. I was actually quite honest with the pastors this week. I said to them, I'm not optimistic at all that you're gonna do anything with what I'm telling you today. I was hoping for a little bit of reverse psychology, you know, so let's see, maybe, maybe, maybe someone does something. But the reason for that is because in my experience of 25 years, I'm just telling you, with people, with leaders, with pastors, knowledge is not the issue. Something has to shift to where we're actually willing to, to do something. So, so I wanna remind you that in the Hebrew language, there is no word for spiritual. So when we think practices, I'm saying, Everything is spiritual. Everything, rest is spiritual. Exercise is spiritual. The way we, our eating routines, whether or not we, we sit at the table face to face or, or just you know, stare at a screen side by side, whether or not we are spending some time with God in the morning or the evening, creating, creating space over these five days. All of these things, all of these things are practices. The principles that we will regularly encourage you towards are start where you are, not where you wanna be. Don't try and be a giant overnight. Don't try and become Mother Teresa a week from now. She didn't become Mother Teresa in a week. So I would say prioritize anything that will lend itself towards consistency and sustainability. So if, if, you, wanna, if you wanna read the Bible and get into having a reading the Bible, brilliant. I can't encourage you enough, probably nothing will change your life more than reflecting on scripture regularly, nothing. But only if it is done at a pace that is sustainable, 
and consistent. So if you like go gung-ho, I'm gonna read, I'm gonna, I haven't read the Bible in years, but I'm gonna read it for an hour every day. I mean, you might be the exception, but for most people, that's not gonna last very long. But, but can you start with five minutes a day or 10 minutes a day? And or, this might sound like heresy to some people, or maybe, maybe because of your schedule, it's better for you to actually say, you know what, I'm gonna do it like this on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then a little bit longer on a Saturday. Or Saturday. Like, guys, it's okay. It doesn't have to be one size fits all. Start where you are, not where you wanna be. Prioritize consistency and sustainability. Secondly, consider your personality, season, and stage of life. Again, for some personalities you love, you crave, you are, you are, you are, you are set free in rigorous structure and routine. Others, you feel like you just want to die now. Like that just, it just sucks the life out of you, and so you want, you want immense amount of flexibility. If it works for you, do it. But if it doesn't work for you, then again, be honest and maybe make an adjustment. On that note, I always feel the need to remind parents of young kids in particular where it's impossible to be perfectly structured. In fact, maybe just kids in general. I don't know. Maybe until they leave the home. I, we, I, I, I don't know yet, so we'll let you know. Um, but, but, to maybe, but to maybe see some of those interruptions as God's invitations. In, in monasteries, they would have monastic bells ringing at certain times of the day where they would stop everything they're doing and they would just pray. What if, what if the cries of your child, what if that interruption at work is actually a monastic bell? What if it isn't an invitation to just be present? And by the way, prayer doesn't mean you have to fall to your knees, clasp your hands together and, and say something in the King James Version. It's, it's, it's just being mindful. God, thank you for my kids. God, help me to love my kids well. God, help me to bless. Or at work, God, help me, help me to see these people through your eyes. How long does that take? Two seconds to pray that? But, but, but guys, if it's, if it's sincere, I'm just saying these are, man, sometimes interruptions are invitations. Third, be specific. Like even if you're very flexible, try and be, so, so, so again, for a structured person, you might say, you know what, I'm gonna switch my phone off at eight o'clock every night and only switch it on again at seven o'clock in the morning. That's specific. For someone um, that's, that's maybe, look, I wouldn't recommend being too flexible with digital boundaries for those of you that are unstructured, but, but let's say, Let's say that there's one day a week that you want to spend like just, just an unrushed, untimed chunk of time with God. Then, then maybe for that person you say, okay, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do these little bits during the week, but then like on a Saturday, I'm gonna just take, I'm just gonna take as long as I want to in the morning. It's not specific to like from nine till 12, but it could just, but you know, hey, in my day, depending on how I feel when I wake up, I'm gonna put in a chunk of time. So it is, it is being as specific as possible so where you say, okay, every Saturday or these times and days. Don't journey alone is the fourth suggestion there. Do not journey alone. I don't know how people grow in their relationship with God and in their faith all around without, without having people in their lives that they're close to, that they can learn from, that they can encourage one another. Many of you will be familiar with the African proverb, if you want to run fast, run alone. If you wanna run far, run together. Just plain and simple. If you want to run fast, run alone. If you want to run far, run together. Which is why, again, I'm being very sincere. With something like five days of focus, again, it's not an intention. It's like I'm positioning myself with other people. Like we're all going to be there. And you know what? I might, I might turn up on Tuesday night and, I, and the last thing I might feel like is, is singing or worshiping or praying or being responsive. But because you come in and maybe there's some other people there that are like ready and eager and and 
And it's like you get, you get, you can get encouraged and drawn along in a healthy community. That's why many of you are sitting here. I know that there are other reasons why some of you are sitting here. Some of you didn't have a choice. That's okay. But, but, uh, but, but for some of you, that's why this is a priority for you. Because you know that no matter what, what your week's looking like, what you're feeling like, you just think, you know, that's, that's an anchor habit. I want to make sure that I'm getting around other people and growing. And then lastly, the E is simply to pursue progress, not perfection. You'll hear us say that over and over again. I, I honestly think that perfection is the enemy of progress. I, I speak from personal experience because nothing's ever good enough. If you're trying to make it perfect, nothing's ever good enough. But you can look back a month ago, a year ago, two years ago, and with God's help, see if there's been some progress. And the area, by the way, like a little tip, a great area to consider as, as far as progress goes is the fruit of the Spirit. Not do I know more. Not, 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 not even am I serving more or giving more. Those are great things and those might be indicators of health, but they might not be. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. These are, th these are the signs that I'm growing in my relation with God, that I am maturing with Him. So we're talking about priority practices, and lastly, just, just to close it off, is places. I really do think that there is something about places. I think church is a place. I think five days of focus is a place. I think, I think creating space as close to daily as possible for time in the chair where you just, where you just have some uninterrupted, slow down time with God, that's a place. And you don't have to judge that place, and that place doesn't always have to produce quick fruit. You, you can get it from a quiet time and feel like, yes, God, I, I, I think I wasted time. I don't even feel like I connected with you. I wasn't aware of you. I didn't get anything out of that. But you can walk away saying, but I'll be back same time, same place, tomorrow. And again the next day, same time, same place. And you'll be amazed at the difference it makes when we prioritize places. We position ourselves for devotion through priority, practices, and places. Five days of focus is a place. I love this verse, Ephesians 3, verse 19. I feel like, I feel like this particular part has taken on a new meaning for me recently where Paul's writing to the Christians in Ephesus and he says, may you experience the love of Christ. That's our prayer for you. Honestly, that you would actually experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, but then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Not when you can pass an exam. Not when you can, you know, rattle off all 66 books of the Bible in the right order. Not when you can unpack the book of Revelation. Not when you can answer the debate between spiritual gifts and gifts of the Spirit and, and ministry gifts. No, no. As we experience the love of God, as we keep prioritizing those places, where we can just slow down to be present with God. Life groups, church, five days of focus, our personal quiet times. And the last example there is, in my opinion, honestly, is serving. My life has been changed over the years because of relationship with God, relationship with other people, and carrying responsibility. That, that passage that I read to you earlier, Mark 12 verse 30, goes on. You know the one about love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It goes on in verse 31 to say, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
That's a place. No other commandment is greater than these. Love God, love people. And that's why I love the definition from Robert Mulholland of what discipleship looks like, what spiritual formation looks like, etc. He says it is the process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. We are not fully maturing if we do not care about others. And so I believe that that is one of the places that we can prioritize positioning ourselves for devotion. Come on, won't you stand with me, please? Just for a moment, I want to invite you to close your eyes and just reflect on maybe one thing that you feel God has maybe pointed out to you. Maybe, maybe it's a practice that you need to just give that extra attention to. So just, just while no one's looking around, everyone's eyes are closed, again, we would always invite you to open your hands up as a posture of surrender, completely up to you. But in my opinion, we're asking God, God, is there anything, anything that you're wanting to sink in? Have I maybe allowed you to shift out of that place of priority? Man, if, that, if that's the case, again, please, I can't emphasize this strong enough. There is no shame from God. It is grace and invitation. If something, if, if something has clicked for you where you've realized, I'm not, I'm not prioritizing a relationship with God, man, his arms are open wide. He's ready. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to lead your life. The only appropriate response from us is to say, yes, please. Yes, please. I want to accept your forgiveness. I want to follow you. And if that's you today, quite literally, you can pray, you can pray the simplest possible prayer in your mind. We will encourage you towards next steps, but it starts off with the simplest acknowledgement. Thank you, God, that you love me. Thank you that Jesus died for me. I cannot add to the cross. He's paid the full price for my sins. I need that supernatural forgiveness. I want that gift of forgiveness. And I want to follow you. I want your plan for my life. I want to learn to trust you more. But then there are others of you where you already get this, you know this, but the challenges of life, the distractions of life just keep moving you away. And the only, the only solution that I know of is to put practices into place and to keep tweaking them, to keep changing them, to keep, to keep evaluating so that it's working for that season. Maybe there's just a simple practice that God's highlighting for you. And lastly, a place. Maybe you have a lot of good intentions, but God's inviting you, bringing to your attention that you need to actually commit to certain places of encounter, certain places of devotion.